And I said at the first week that, you know, I wanted to come to this story afresh and I commended it to you and I said, you know, I want to come as a seeker. Seek and you will find. And I wanted this Christmas to say to the Lord, Lord, I've been doing this a while and I think I've got it down. Forgive my arrogance. Lord, reveal to me the wonder of Christmas. Reveal to me your truth again. Come to me and show me things I don't yet know. And Lord, I want to be a seeker. And uh, we, we talked last time, I was up here, we talked about the big reveal, the big reveal. And I, I said I'd been watching the TV and watching a program on that wonderful department store Liberties in, in Regent Street. It's on the corner there, halfway down. And, and they did a big reveal for Christmas. And I said, you know what, that's really what Christmas is about in one sense. Not glitz and department stores, although that's fun, that's fun. But the truth of the matter is that there is this great sense of God revealing his love in his son Jesus, giving this, son, this baby to be born as a man, and, and that being just such an extraordinary thing that even after a good few years now, I'm still trying to get my head around it. It's the big reveal. And, and I said that out of John's gospel, the big kind of, the big punch line, the big, the big reveal was 1 John 14, where it says this, the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Say that with me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we talked a bit about the word and how that you know, was understood in Greek thought and in Jewish thought. And what John does is he, he does this big reveal. He, he introduces this whole new idea that, that God becomes flesh and dwells among us. And it's just an extraordinary thing. But then we said there was a problem. We said, and it says in verse 19, you can follow it in your Bible, it won't come up on the screen, but, but verses nine to 10, it says this, that you know, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and through him the world was made. The world did not recognize him, and that's the trouble. That's why there is this need to be a seeker, to, to humble ourselves. And to, it, it won't just slap you in the face. God, does, you know, it has been said, I'm not sure whether I entirely agree with this, but it has been said that God is a gentleman, and he doesn't sort of you know, force himself upon you. But for those who seek him, if you seek, you will find. And so people didn't recognize him, his own people didn't recognize him, and they'd been looking for the Messiah for, for generations upon generations. So when Christ came, born as a baby in Bethlehem, as he grew and walked among them and, and did the works of the kingdom, people didn't recognize him, and that, of course, was a problem, you know. But today, I want to talk about the new beginning. I want to really zero in on this new beginning. And actually, we will end up in the stable in just a moment, but, but actually on this thought, this thought, which I want you to just hold for a moment about not recognizing him. Do you know, it does need a little effort. It does need the heart of a seeker. It does need God to reveal himself to us. There is that element there. Even his own disciples, even his own mother, had a problem recognizing him at one special point. And we'll throw this up on the screen. John chapter 10, uh, 20 rather, verses uh, 10 to 15 says this. And it says, if I can find it, it says, now Mary, I'll begin at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb. Jesus has died. He's been buried. But it's been a bit of a rushed affair. The funeral, if you like, had to be rushed through. And so that didn't feel right. So Mary and some other women went to the tomb as soon as it was, they were allowed to because of the Sabbath. And they get there, and then there's confusion. 
and things aren't as they should be. And it says here, verse 11 in John chapter 20, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, which was empty and seemingly in disarray. And she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, they said, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. You see, her mindset was that her son, her precious son, was dead. She had been at the foot of the cross. She had not run like the other disciples. She had stood with him in the rain, in the earthquake. She had seen what the, 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 the Romans had done to him. She had witnessed all of that. Her mindset was full of grief. She did not expect to see her son. What she expected was a body, but the body wasn't there. What grief upon grief. That little baby that she'd born, yes, in that stable, was gone. And she saw him grow. And she saw him go from strength to strength. And then she saw the notoriety that he went through. And, and that caused the mother some concern. Why didn't you come home, son? You know, have some chicken soup. You know, sit down, put your feet up. And then it all ended so terribly. She was not expecting to see her son. She did not recognize him. Her eyes were full of tears and her heart full of grief. It says in the word of God, as she turned around, she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Who is it you're looking for? Who or what are you looking for? Maybe that's why you do not see Jesus. Maybe that is why you are still an infant in the Lord because your heart is full of other things. Maybe you're not seeking the Savior. You think you are or maybe you've got an idea of what would make you happy, what would fill us with happy, happiness. You know, I was in Newbury this week visiting an old, uh, an old music drama teacher. I've mentioned him many times. It's just our, our annual Christmas thing. We were walking through the town. Walked past the hairdressers of, of all things. And in the window was a, as a pic, was a sign and it said, Dear Santa, I'm sorry, I know I've been naughty this year, but it was nice. I'm sorry I was naughty this year, but it was nice. You see, Paul says that sin, the things that we chase after, the things we long for, relationships and wealth and health and happiness and all these things, none of them are bad per se, but, but they can be, and they can be those things that obsess. You know, honestly, Fliss and myself, um, as some of you know, we've been trying to sell our house to move to Marquette to be nearer the grandkids and what have you, and our house fell through just with a week with an exchanging. And uh, we've been pretty preoccupied with that. And it's been, a, you know, we know how these things grip you. And, 
It's, we've, even yesterday we had people running around, uh, not running around, walking around our house viewing it. Here we are trying to get the house ready for Christmas and the family coming for dinner and all that entails and suddenly the agent rings up and says, I've got some people to view and suddenly we've got to put everything away and declutter and, you know, and Fliss t- takes my sort of bits and pieces and shoves them in drawers and I can't find them afterwards. <laughs> I couldn't find my sermon this morning. <laughs> I kid you not. It's all got to be like a show home and it's... You know, these things, life happens and it can be very absorbing and it's not altogether bad. But there is a deceitfulness about all of this. I think sometimes we collude with the enemy, maybe unwittingly, to make our lives so busy that we miss that simple truth that God loves us and gave his son for us. It's not rocket science, but sometimes it's just too simple, too easy, too, too whatever for us to really grasp. We're too sophisticated, we're too clever, and actually if we can just get that one deal, then we'll be happy. If we can just move to Mark 8, then we'll be happy. If we can just get that job, or that man, or that girlfriend, or that whatever, then Lord, I'll have time for you. I've told you before how we went to work at a church in Hertfordshire when we first came down from the north of England, and uh, it, it was stunning. They had a wonderful volunteer team, but the thing that was a little weird about it all was they were all retirees. Now, that's not, if you're a retiree, you're not weird. Just, just <laughs> nod. You know, you understand that? You're not, a, not a reti- you know, you're not weird because you're a retiree, but it was, you know, there was just, they were all retirees, and when I got chatting to them, when I got know, to know them, I remember talking to Alan Tweedy, the administrator there, he had been very high up in Texaco, the oil company, literally troubleshooting all around the world. And he took early retirement in his early 50s to work in the church, but you know what he said to me? He said, I spent my whole life, my working life, my professional life, being away from my family on the other side of the world, Providing for them, that was my excuse, providing for them. They went to public schools, they had all the toys, but I realized that I missed my boys growing up. My wife saw them grow up, I missed them. I missed them. And the other thing I missed was as a young man at university at Cambridge, I gave my life to Christ and I gave him my life. I said, I'll do anything for you, but you know what? I got busy with Texaco. And suddenly I had a wake up. Was, so I woke up in my early 50s and I thank God I woke up at some point and I suddenly realized I'd given my life to Texaco and my family had missed me and God had come very well down the chain. And so I, I resolved to resign. People couldn't understand what I did, but I resigned and I came to work here for free. And he was an awesome guy. He was an awesome guy. Thank God that, that the penny dropped for him that actually when you know Jesus all your problems don't disappear out the window. But when you know Jesus, you've cracked it. The disciples said to Jesus once, they said, okay, Jesus, we get it now. Tell us, what is the work that God requires? What must we do to do what God wants? And he said to them, he said, believe in the one whom the Father has sent. Believe in me. It's that simple. And as you believe, and that means to put your trust in, as you begin to pursue him, his, the king and his king, so other things begin to fall into place. Yes, you may have nice cars. You may have, you may have a nice house. You may have a great job and a, and, and a trophy wife. 
I, I, I've, I've got a trophy wife. <coughs> Just putting that in. Oh, she's giving me the look. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> Sweetie pie. Sorry. <coughs> I'm, I'm on medication at the moment, so uh, that's my excuse. Come on, guys. You've got to back me up here, bloke. Come on. <laughs> I tell you that uh, some of these cough mixtures, they're great, you know. <laughs> the trouble is often we just look for the wrong things in the wrong places. You know, as we begin to zero back in, as we circle back round into the, the Christmas story, you know, the, the, the story of the wise man, the magi, as it's called. I mean, that, that's a pretty amazing thing, you know. Matthew 2, 1 to 3 just gives us that little story of the wise man so often seen in nativity plays and all this kind of thing. And it says this in Matthew's gospel. He says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men as we've come to call them from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. You know, the Magi, they had studied the scriptures, the ancient texts, studied the stars, studied this, studied that. They knew that something very significant had happened. They knew that the king of the Jews had been born. And so what did they do? They tip up in, in Herod's temple and ask, where's the king? Where's the king? No, not, not you, Herod. We're talking about the king of the Jews, the real king, the one that's to come. And no wonder that Jerusalem was disturbed. No wonder that King Herod had a bit of a flip because he thought that he was the king. Well, in fact, he was, but who is this king that has been born? And of course, the wise men with the good intentions, the best of intentions, they'd come to worship and honor this new king, but they were looking for the wrong thing. They were looking in the wrong place. They were looking towards the wrong person. Because the king of kings, as Dennis reminded us last week, was not going to be found in a temple, in a, in a, in a, a palace on this earth. The king of kings was actually at that moment mewling and wriggling in a stable. So these wise men, so wise, so clever, so well-informed, so well-educated, had to be re-educated. And tradition has it, although it may not be quite the truth, it may have been two or three years later when the wise men actually arrived, but let's not spoil the story. The wise men had to come to a stable, and they had to humble themselves and recognize the one who was being revealed as the Son of God. Wonderful, wonderful. And then, of course, we have in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 2, 8 to 12, and I read the first part of the story. Let's read the second part of it now. The story of, of, the, of the revelation to the shepherds, minding their own business, the humblest, as it were, the humblest, probably just boys. If you've been, if you know anything at all, you'll know that they were probably boys and old men sent out to look after the, the shepherds. And the old men would uh, amuse the young, young boys by telling them stories and looking out for them. But they were the ones out in the fields. And suddenly, as we read in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby 
keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I love that, so real. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause you joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There it is. The Lord God spells it out to the little ones, spells it out to the shepherds, the boys, the old men. He spells it out. The king of kings is among you, and he is come as a baby. It's a wonderful truth. I don't know what brought you here this morning. You may have been just brought along with a friend. You may be here out of politeness and courtesy. Well, God bless you. You may be staying with friends for the weekend, or you may be all ready to go off to family in Cheshire or something immediately after the service, and I won't delay you too much longer. But whatever brought you here this morning, I want to commend to you Jesus the Christ, the Savior. I want to commend to you this, this Christ who even today, in the 21st century, in clever, complicated, technologically savvy, consumer-orientated, wise beyond our age, Western Europe, England, Hertfordshire, even today, this baby is changing lives. This baby is impacting us now and the world over. I am proud to say to you, church, that Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. You may think that that's Islam. It isn't. We hear a lot about Islam. God bless them. God bless the Muslims this Christmas. May they have a revelation of Jesus. God bless them. But Christianity, this simple encounter with this baby who grew to be this man who gave his life, who rose from the dead, who has ascended into heaven, who is coming again, who will give us a new beginning to finish all beginnings. This Christ is in our midst today, touching and changing lives. Thank you. I want to just, if you, if you don't believe that, or if you just say, well, <laughs> bless you, Chris. I mean, yeah, you're, you're a pastor, it's Christmas, so I'll give you, give you the time of day, bless you, you know. But don't take my word for it. We've got a little film clip we prepared just this week from something that happened just two weeks ago. There's a couple of pictures thrown in from the last baptism. It's about our baptism. Just sit back with me and enjoy the wonderful things that God does today here in savvy and sophisticated Hertfordshire. What you're seeing there is a recognition that Jesus, the Savior, has come. 
what you're seeing is a very important moment in the story, the journey that is transformation that God's working in us. And every single one of us can say it that God does wonderful things. Some of us here have known life. Good. Some of it not so good. But we found that in the Father's house, we're called son. We're called precious daughter. God does wonderful things. And this Christmas, my prayer for myself and my family is that I'll humble myself and become a seeker again. I want to do Christmas. I want to play with my grandkids and open presents and eat turkey and all the rest of it. But I don't want to lose sight of the one who saved me. And I want to push on through and press on in to his presence so that he might do a wonderful thing in me. Amen. 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 Let's have the band up. Why don't we all stand? Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. It's very kind. Let me just pray. Lord God, we, we asked right at the very beginning of this service that you would be honored, and I hope that, Jesus, you know that you are honored in this place. And Lord, I pray that for anyone here who is yet to meet with you, yet to discover that you have come for them, to save them, to call them son, to reveal yourself to them as father, to call them precious daughter. Lord, I pray that this Christmas that you will break all fear, break reticence, and that you will reveal yourself to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.